Welcome back to the Red Dice Diaries. I'm John, and this is a, another bonus voicemail episode. Thank you to everyone who sends in voicemails. It really does mean the world to me, and it's one of the great things about producing an Anchor podcast. So let's get started. Okay, so first of all, we've got a series of messages from Barney at the Loco Ludus podcast about my recent Simeon meanderings. So take it away, Barney. Hi, John. Barney of Loco Ludus here. Uh, I'm just leaving you a message uh, basically after Jason's prompt, but yes, that's certainly the Simeon hominid evolution thing is is definitely a wider interest for me so um here's a message with probably another one or two coming up afterwards um i what i wanted to say is i haven't listened to your episode yet so i'm leaving you something that's just based purely on that on on my on my own thoughts at this moment and when i've listened to it i can send you some more and they might be different or have evolved i think current human understanding of human archaeology human history the wider sense the long game is very complicated and problematic i think a lot of the discourses around it are about trying to reinforce our own sense of our own evolution our own abilities our own consciousness as being more or better, bigger, greater, more advanced than our ancestors. And, and uh, historians, archaeologists, ethnographers, etc. like to put that point at different points. Hi, this is John here. I'm just breaking in briefly on Barney's messages to say I love the fact that he sent me a series of messages before listening to the episode. And then, as you'll find out later on, Barney's actually listened to the episode and then sent me some more messages, which I think's really great. I also think the point about sort of our place in humanoid evolution, uh, sort of being in flux in terms of where academics see it placed is a, an interesting idea. One of the points I hoped to make with my original episode, which I'm not sure how well it came across, was that even though I'm aware that Neanderthals and like our sort of ancient forebears did exist at the same time, so modern humans, so as we are now with all our civilized trappings and stuff like that, didn't exist at the same time as Neanderthals, whereas the, the sort of existence of them in D&D seems to propose that there's a, a very, albeit a very stereotypical view of Neanderthals existing in times with sort of medieval technology level humans, but actually a sort of modern remix of them. So I thought it'd be interesting to, to sort of see how that would work with the two of them sort of thrown into the mix together. Not sure how well that came across, but anyway, let's get back to the regularly scheduled program and finish listening to what Barney's got to say. So some people like to locate an, a modern explosion 
and they link that to things like Lascaux and the Chauvet Cave, that suddenly the modern the modern human was 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 born in this in artistic representational art or something like that. Um, the problem with that is that the date keeps getting pushed back. So what 50 years ago people thought was 20,000 BC went to 30,000 BC, 50,000 BC, and it keeps getting pushed back. And there, I think we should start to smell a rat. Other people take basically the other view, the long view, and I have to say that that is the one that I support. And it is almost the opposite, which is literally at around 50,000 years ago, the progress ended, it was finished. The, the great work of evolution, of, of the development of consciousness, of language, of art, of social structures, all of that hard work had happened before then, way before then, and basically stagnates, if you like, to put it extremely, around this time that other people would describe as being the explosion of the modern human. John, again, I just wanted to thank Barney for bringing this to the attention of myself and my audience. I did know a little bit about the various different branches of humanity and different theories. That's because mainly because I, I like watching documentaries on the TV. Uh, my wife's a big fan of anything that involves sort of like ancient myths or legends or prehistory. And I like a bit of the old sort of like classic world and the older sort of pagan sort of style stuff as well, going back into to prehistory. Also, I'm an inveterate clicker on things online. So I'm always reading like odd articles that are spun off from other things. And also I've got a subscription to the 14 Times, which mainly talks about strange things, um, UFOs, uh, stuff like that. But they do also cover sort of odd skeletons, ancient bones, missing links and stuff like that, which is always an entertaining read. I, I quite... I'm quite enjoying Barney's replies here, finding them very interesting to read. And I've got to admit, I do sort of, I do sort of favour the whole idea of like the stagnation theory myself. That may just be because at heart I'm a bit of a depressing git, though, if you haven't already guessed. But that's just me. It's still a very interesting thing. And thank you once again to Barney for bringing this up. Anyway, let's get back to the remainder of his message. Now, maybe you know all of this. You know, I haven't listened to the episode. As I told you, I'm coming at it before having listened. And I will come back again afterwards. So I don't know how much I'm repeating what you're already talking about here. But I think a really important point is that anatomically modern humans anatomically modern humans have existed for at least a hundred thousand years a hundred thousand years with the same vocal capacities the same mental capacities the same physical capacities and that really to me drives home this fact that fact anyway whatever this this thing that we've been as we are now for a long time 
symbolic objects go back millions of years. Flint tools go back millions of years. We've got basically no record of more ephemeral things. So we think that all of the art is put into caves, but we've got no records of the inside or the outsides of teepees or tents. We've hardly got any children's toys. We've hardly got any ceremonial objects. And the further we go back in time, the less and less and less of those that we have. Therefore, we end up with this slightly weird uh, awareness of our own history, which in some senses is quite amazing because it gives us, again, space to imagine. And that's all really, really important. I'm going to stop there for now. I'm going to look forward to listening to the episode and call again. Bye. That was Barney there from the excellent Loco Ludus podcast. Again, thank you very much, Barney, for leaving those messages. I really did enjoy listening to them, and I think there's a great deal of food for thought in them, not just about hominids, which was the subject, but also, I think, as well, touching on the wider subject of the fact that there is a lot of information lost in history. A lot of it is a sort of grey area or this murky sort of unknown land that we only glimpse vaguely through through the mists of time and our own perhaps misconceptions. And I think that's an interesting thing to keep in mind, particularly when you're talking about RPGs. I mean, how often in RPGs do we see things like ancient catacombs, the remnants of ancient empires? And after a while, it can seem all a little bit too convenient but as you were saying Barney when you think about even our own history as a species so much of it has been lost to us and then rediscovered or misunderstood how much more could that be the case in a fantasy world where there are multiple species magic huge global spanning wars from the get-go it's an interesting thing to think about and I may actually do an episode on that in the future. So again, thanks very much, Barney, for your messages. I look forward to hearing more once you listen to the episode. So take care, dude, and thanks again. Now, I think we've got a message from Jason Connolly of the Nerds RPG Variety Cast. So take it away, Jason. Hey, John. Jason here, Nerds RPG Variety Cast. So... Simians in your games. I think it's interesting. It's, and I know you go more the caveman route, and and that's interesting. I want to say, well, we know that in the Conan stories and the Howard stories, there's um, Thar. Was that his name? There, there's like the, you know, oh, the man ape in the one story that is kind of like, where was he at? He was at the bishop's house or something like that, and he was lurk in the shadows and Conan had to fight him and then of course in the comics the Marvel comics the you know I, I want to say there were probably Neanderthal races and stuff that Conan dealt with it's been a while since so I've read them but so yeah they definitely have a place without a doubt um, and of course when you look at all the British science fiction Land of Lost things like that well I say Land of Lost of course Doyle's story wasn't Land of Lost was it, it was the um, shoot I forget what uh, Arthur Conan Doyle's story was. But you know what I'm talking about. Anyway, point being that I think they definitely do have their place in there. You know, in our cyberpunk story, in the one game session, not the other, one of the characters is an elevated simian brain 
in a human body, actually. But And they talk about a, a secret foiled simian revolution. So whether that will be a game point or not, we will see. Uh, it probably won't happen in both the games. I started the games all with the same scenario with two different groups of players. And because of the kind of characters the players made, I think the two story arcs will go off in different directions as we play. But, yeah, that'll probably come up again in the one story arc. So, talk to you later. Thanks very much there, Jason, for that message. That was Jason Connolly of the Nerds RPG Variety Cast. If you've not listened to that, I advise you to give it a listen. Some great unboxings and general RPG talk on there. Yeah, you're absolutely right, Jason. There have been numerous examples of sort of intelligent simian creatures in various different fantasy works across the years. I mentioned a few myself, um, and you've covered a few more there. There's also various different ape-like offshoots. You know, you've there's four-armed albino apes in Barsoom, various other science fantasy sort of offshoots. Uh, I think there's a, a couple of Cthulhu Mythos stories that have sort of intelligent ape slash missing link style sort of entities in there. And it, I think there was something of a vogue for it at one point, you know, this whole missing link theory, even though if it's largely sort of been disproven in that form in modern day, as far as I understand it. Although I'm no scholar of this, so please correct me if I'm wrong, but it's something people have often thought about. And but part of the reason I wanted to bring it up, and again, I mentioned this earlier in this episode, I'm not sure how well I articulated it in the original episode, is when we talk about these missing links, it's often just one, certainly in literature anyway, it's often just like one or two of them in like a fantasy story, and they're in an isolated place, they're not really encountered by many people, it's a small band of intrepid explorers, like in um, Conan Doyle's story that you mentioned there, which is called The Lost World, and but I was more sort of interested in like if there were large tribes of these sort of intelligent apes or Neanderthals or whatever, which are obviously pretty similar to humans, how would modern humans, for want of a better term, because as a Barney from Loco Ludus has already pointed out, the sort of physically and psychologically the humans as portrayed in D&D, would probably be pretty similar to us in modern day. How would they respond to sharing space with effectively more primitive versions of themselves or sort of different branches of the evolutionary tree? Would they mind at all? After all, there are other demi-human races in D&D. Maybe it wouldn't even be a thing. Who knows? But thank you very much for your messages, Jason. And speaking of messages... Here's a familiar sounding voice. So this is John's wife. I've just come back from work and I was quite interested when John was telling me about uh, the episode he's just recorded, but in order I couldn't contribute. Um, I was telling him how I'd be quite interested to work on a setting or play in a setting that was real world, um, different species in the Stone Age uh, how would Homo sapiens and Homo neanderthal and uh, Homo florensis that we've heard about already actually be interacting? 
that'd be a lot of different things that you could fill in as well because we know so little about what was actually going on in these different species and how much of the technology we've inherited from them, how much we shared with them, how much they simply couldn't use. Like we know Neanderthal couldn't use our kind of spear thrower and that gave us an advantage in Europe because we've got different elbows from them. But maybe they had some cool stuff we couldn't use. Um, the, what's her name? Jean Orme, I think it is, that wrote The Clan of the Cave Bear. Those books are quite interesting, although I'll warn you, they do go a bit Mills and Boone. There's a lot of interesting stuff in there, but you might want to skip a page here and there as well. Um, <laughs> you know the ones I mean, John. Yeah, I yeah. see you grinning at me. <laughs> they they are really interesting, um, and they talk about this kind of idea. I think it would make for a really cool D&D setting. Mm. Yeah, that's it. Cheers, Red Dice Diaries. <laughs> So that was the love of my life, Hannah, there, chipping in with some thoughts on the episode about human sort of ancestors, um, simian meanderings, that sort of thing. Of course, the irony is that she couldn't respond to the initial episode because she was at work when I released it, and she actually recorded that reply shortly before Christmas. As I'm recording this, she's out living it up on New Year's Eve with some of our friends in Manchester. I, unfortunately, am just getting over a bout of the flu, which will probably explain why I probably sound a little bit rough on these audio recordings, but I've had to stay at home because I I don't want to inflict it on everyone else. I'm not really feeling up to a night of drinking and the such like at the moment. So when this gets released and this response goes out, she probably won't hear this either. But yeah, I think it could be interesting to have a a sort of a slightly more stone age setting with different species of humanity in. I know that Colin was talking recently about um, Osprey had released some sort of Stone Age or some such RPG, although I've not had a chance to look at that yet. So I don't know where the different species of humanity are covered in it. But I think that could be really interesting. And maybe it's something we'll swing around to in the future. So thanks very much for that, love. Great to have you contributing to the podcast. And it looks like we've now got some more messages from Barney at Loco Ludus. So let's see what he's got to say. Hi John, I've just listened to your interesting episode. I wouldn't really change any of the points I made in the previous messages. I suppose I would add that on one point, I think there's there's something that should be clarified, which is that uh, our immediate ancestors did coexist with other forms of hominid and a really interesting example of this is the neanderthal situation so the cro-magnons lived beside the uh the neanderthals now until recently it was a really important thing for a lot of people to underline the fact that we weren't neanderthals that there was no 
genetic link there, that we were somehow different, superior, that uh, this modern human came through. But uh, it's apparently been more recently found out that we do indeed, all of us, have Neanderthal DNA in us. And that actually, what flowing on from that, or looking further back, is that the 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 evolution of the different forms of hominids is much more complicated than a simple linear path out of Africa, one, two, three, four, one after another, after another. So the debate that you are starting here is a very interesting and tricky one, especially if we bear in mind that in the past different hominid species, races, I don't know what we call it, have coexisted with each other. I think there is potentially some kind of parallel there between your classic humans, elves, dwarves, half-orcs, orcs, ogres, whatever, the coexistence that we find there. Um, why would it be any different? Yeah, I think you're absolutely right there, Barney, and thank you for calling back in after you listened to the episode. Uh, as I've said a couple of times in my responses during this episode, I think maybe I wasn't clear enough about what I was sort of trying to reach for originally. Um, I, I'm aware of the, the the sort of idea that um, Neanderthal and Homo sapiens sort of interbred and we carry forward their DNA, as well as their existence at the same period of history. Uh, as I've said in earlier replies, I was more sort of referring to whether a modern society of humans would be able to coexist with Neanderthals as they existed back then. But as you rightly say, would there necessarily be any difference? particularly in like a D&D campaign setting where there's already like elves, dwarves, hobbits, whatever, and lots of other different races, which in some campaign worlds are perhaps related to each other, in others they're not. And we are, of course, assuming that the humans of this hypothetical D&D setting would be aware of their relationship to these Neanderthals, if indeed they are relatives in this setting, <coughs> excuse me obviously it's a fantasy setting that may not be the case and as you've pointed out Barney we're only just starting to really scratch the surface of understanding the relationships between these different species of humanity ourselves in the real world with all of our science and our technology so granted they've got magic in D&D but also they're trying to deal with massive monsters trying to kill them all the time what are the chances that loads of people are going to have studied into the ancient history of humankind and DNA? Who knows? But as you say, it's an interesting thing to think about. And thank you very much for your input. I do really appreciate that. Hey, John, this is Jason here, Nerds RPG Variety Cast. Just want to call in to clarify. I wasn't saying that I wasn't trying to imply that you were a power gamer by picking a dwarf. And delving deeper. Um, as just mentioned, in general, sometimes I think that's why people pick the other race instead of humans. But, you know, I agree with you. Ultimately, it doesn't matter if it's not affecting the rest of the game. 
And, you know, it looked like Kez Kez. Well, I don't think you've played with him, but, you know, Josh Beckelheim was playing an imp in Dave Aldridge's Black Hat game, and it's not causing any issues. So, it's all good, as long as everybody's having fun. Just also want to take this chance to wish you a Merry Christmas. Hope you have a good time over the next some weeks with your family, and we'll talk to you later. That was Jason there again from the Nerds RPG Variety Cast. Thank you very much for those kind wishes, Jason. Yeah, I had a great Christmas. Got to spend it visiting my parents and the in-laws. Um, got to see my nephews, my nieces, um, my brother's uh, two young children. Like the first time we, we've all been together for Christmas, so that was really nice. Always got to spend a bit of time, quality time with Hannah, because our work schedules have been a bit sort of out of whack recently. So that was really nice. I'm not sure if you can hear, but as I'm recording this reply, my cat Mash has just jumped up next to me. And he's meowing and purring away. So he obviously had a great Christmas period. Uh, unfortunately, I did come down with the flu uh, near the end of Boxing Day. And I've been, so I probably should have been laid up. But um, given that there weren't many people in at my work, I had to struggle in to get work done, which didn't do me any favors. So I'm a bit sort of tired and worn out. But I seem to be on the mend now. I've forfeited my New Year's Eve hijinks and has gone off on our own to Manchester to some friends to have an evening out and i'm just chilling out at home and recuperating and recording this but hopefully i should be on the mend and full of vim and vigor ready to go in the new year with some new podcasting and blog style stuff as for the dwarf thing do don't worry about it like i say the appeal for dwarves for me aside from like a crap scottish accent being one of the few accents i can do is the fact look they're, they're big, gruff, miserly, pessimistic people with massive, bushy beards who keep grudges. And, yeah, I, I know I describe them as big, and you might say, oh, why are they big? They're dwarves. But, you know, even though they're, like, physically, they're, they're stout, they're short, they're always portrayed as building these massive sort of architectural monuments and carving out the hearts of mountains and these great feats of architecture which are always very grandiose and very big there's they're sort of they reach further than their stature would would suggest and that together with the fact that in essence they are crotchety old men with axes really appeals to me as a concept and that more than anything is what i love about dwarves thanks very much for your message jason I hope you and your family have a thoroughly great new year. My best wishes to you in 2020. Take care. So let's see if we've got any more messages in the post bag. Hello, John. It is uh, Inspector Clouseau here. I am uh, calling in about uh, your episode about thieves and uh, about uh, pink panthers. And I, uh, how you say, concur with your uh, your assessment. And I think there is no place for thieves, and certainly no room for rosé panthers. Uh, thank you. Goodbye. Tell them all. 
That was Goblin's Henchman there with a, a little shtick about thieves. I've been discussing recently. Thank you very much for leaving that. Goblin's Henchman really did make me chuckle. Although, much as I love the Pink Panther, I've always been more a fan of the stylings of Hercule Poirot and his little grey cells, who, as I'm sure you're aware, is Belgian rather than French. But I've seen every episode of the, the TV series Poirot and most of the films that they've made of his various adventures. Quite a big fan of Agatha Christie's work. Really enjoy those. And, yeah... I do like a bit of a sort of a, a bit of a sort of sleuth or a, a whodunit TV series or book. I cannot deny, and who knows? Perhaps that's been colouring my perception of the dishonest thief in D and D games. Who knows? But have a great New Year, Goblin Sanchman, and I'm sure I'll be speaking to you more in 2020. Thank you very much for your call. Hey, up, John. Shandy Andy here. Has to be said, we, you and me, we, we, we need to play the face-to-face -face game. It's ridiculous. I'm just north of Derby, you're just south of Derby, more or less. And we've never met up. We need to sort this out. So at some stage... Let me know what cons you're making and we'll sort something out. Or I can, you know, come down to Burton. It's no problem for me. Um, from Ripley I can get into Derby and then Derby to Burton's not an issue. I'm not quite sure where you are to Burton, so we might need to work that out. But um, please, you know, get in contact and let's sort out a face-to-face -face game. That sounds like a great idea, Andy. Thanks for getting in touch. And you are right. I'm I'm pretty much banging the centre of Burton-on-Trent. Although, ironically, I spend most of my time in Derby because that's where I work, in the centre of Derby. And, yeah, it does seem a bit weird that you're just to the north of Derby, I'm just to the south, and that we've not bumped into each other. And I do think we actually have a few sort of old gaming contacts in common. But... I don't tend to do a lot of face-to-face -face gaming, to be honest, just because uh, the pool of players I'm familiar with in my local area is pretty much zero to nothing. I do most of my gaming online now just because it's far more convenient, especially as up until recently I wasn't able to drive. So just being able to like log on to my computer was a lot simpler than having to work out public transport and stuff like that. Now, I have got my driving license back at the end of this year, and hopefully early next year I should be getting a vehicle, and then I can start driving around again. And since I've sort of drastically scaled down my, or I'm planning to drastically scale down my LARP uh, activities next year, that'll save me a lot of money, which I'm hoping to put towards going towards tabletop RPG conventions. So I shall endeavour to keep you all informed when I'm planning to go to one of those. Also, if you keep an ear out, Andy, for the beer and, beer and pretzels convention that takes place in Burton, that Phil and Sal of my friendly local gaming store, Spirit Games, run. I normally go down to that for a little bit. Uh, 
I didn't go last year, I think possibly the year before I only went down for a bit, but I generally try and stop in for a bit to show support with that. So if you get yourselves down to that, chances are you'll bump into me at some point. Just keep an eye out for me slouching around early in the morning, looking bleary-eyed and probably jonesing for that sweet, sweet hit of Red Bull. Also, I'm terrible with faces and names, so if you just walk, I mean, you can ask Pete Jones about this since when we started doing Purple Worm together, he basically had to say, John, I've already played in a game with you at a convention and I just hadn't put the two together. So you'll probably have to come up to me and say, hi, I'm Shandy Andy, and then I'll know who you are. But please don't take that as any slight. I just have a terrible memory and I'm terrible at putting names and faces together. So, yeah, here's hoping in the new year we can sort something out. Andy, thank you very much for your message. So, let's see who we've got next. Hey, John, it's Mike Shorten with uh, Dungeon Master's Handbook. Um, from here in Chicago, from my family, I know I'd like to uh, definitely wish you and yours a very Merry Christmas and a healthy, happy prosperous new year that brings you everything you're wanting. Uh, it's been a pleasure to listen to you and to get to know you on the Discord and through the podcast, and uh, hopefully next year we'll get a chance to uh, play in some games together. I think that'd be a lot of fun. All right, take care, and best to you. Game on. That was Mike, a.k.a. Chicago Wiz, from the excellent, excellent podcast, Dungeon Masters Handbook. I only started listening to that fairly recently, and I think it's a sign of how much I've enjoyed that podcast that I motored through the back catalogue, left a few messages that Mike was kind enough to respond to, and I really did enjoy listening to all of that. I'm now fully up to date. Thank you very much for your kind wishes, Mike. Uh, I know I've already sent you a message wishing you a Merry Christmas but I hope that you and your family continue to have an excellent new year. And like you say, it'd be great to get into a couple of games together in 2020. Also, I'm sure I'll be picking your brains for some ideas related to my, my sort of colonial black powder style campaign that I want to do in the new year as part of my blog and my podcast, sort of building that up. So I'm sure I'll be talking to you further. Until then, take care. I hope you have a great new year. Hey, John. It's the old Jeff from Means and Musings. Wanted to thank you for your call earlier today and to call you back and wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Appreciate your podcast and all the effort you put into the community. Just to let you know that, and I look forward to more podcasts from you in the future. That was a message there from Evil Thank you very much for leaving that message, Jeff. Very much appreciated. And I hope you and your loved ones have a great new year and that you had a an excellent Christmas. Uh, likewise, I know I appreciate the, the work you put into your own podcast. And I look forward to hearing more about that in the new year here's hoping that everyone in the ank community and the wider rpg community as a whole 
continues to go from strength to strength in 2020. So there we are. That's my final episode of season two of the Red Dice Diaries podcast. Now, originally, I had considered, I started season two just after UK Games Expo 2019. I considered sort of running season two up until the Games Expo in 2020, but I thought it made more sense to have each year be a separate season. So I wanted to round off season two and 2019 by answering the last few messages and the voicemails that have been sent in to me. And then I'm planning to motor forwards in 2020 with discussing my colonial black powder game, as well as all the other usual Tom Fawlery, uh, group podcasts, etc., that you've come to expect from me. And I'm hoping to get back into doing some more YouTube reviews and some blog posts as well. But we'll see how things go on. As I've said earlier, I'm also hoping to go to more conventions. Obviously, I'll be going to UK Games Expo 2020, where I'll most likely be helping GM for games on demand. So, if you're in the UK or you can get across, I highly recommend going to UK Games Expo. Um, you can I, I don't have the dates to hand, but you can just search UK Games Expo on Google and it'll be the first thing that pops up. And we, we do games on demand. We do two-hour taster sessions of various different games so that you can just sort of like buy a ticket to with relatively short notice, just wander along to if you have a bit of spare time. So that's really good fun. Frantic, tiring, yes, but always good fun. So I'll be doing that. Uh, Lloyd Jan extracted a promise from me uh, earlier on last month that I would make it to the, oh, what's it called? The, the Dragon Meat, that's right, Dragon Meat, the one-day convention that takes place in London. I couldn't make it this year, so I've said... November 2020, I'm going to go down for that. Um, he's also mentioned Continuum, which it happens in Leicester. So I'm potentially looking at going to that. And hopefully, like I say, with scaling back my LARP activities I'll have and having a vehicle, hopefully, I'll be able to travel to some more of these conventions and hopefully play in some games at some of them as well as just running them, which would be nice. So to, to anyone who has sent me voicemails, or who has contributed or interacted with me in any way in 2019. Thank you very much. I really wouldn't keep doing the the podcasting, the blogging, the YouTubing, all of the various social media stuff if I thought I was just shouting into a void. It's the interaction with people that really makes it worthwhile for me. So thank you specifically to those people who submitted messages to me for this episode, there was Barney from Loco Ludus, of course, Jason Connolly from Nerds RPG Variety Cast, my wife Hannah. We then had some well wishes from Goblin's Henchman, Shandy Andy, and Mike from the Dungeon Masters Handbook. And of course, last but by no means the least, Evil Jeff. So thank you very much, guys, for sending those well wishes and those voicemails. And it's really your input and the conversations that we get going between 
podcasters, the wider RPG community, that really makes this feel like a worthwhile endeavor to me. So to all of you out there, I hope you have a great New Year's Eve. You drink your fill safely, obviously. Have a great time. And may your hangovers not be too annoying tomorrow morning. I wish you all health, good fortune, and safety in 2020. And hope the next year is great for each and every one of you. And I look forward to seeing what stuff you all put out, whether you're podcasters, bloggers, just creative types, whether we're just having a conversation. I look forward to those interactions in 2020. So I wish you a very happy new year. Take care on whatever games you're playing now or you're going to be playing in 2020. Have fun. May your dice always roll 20s. And I shall speak to you soon. Take care.